Welcome, everybody, to the Building Ehrensburg podcast. I'm Thomas Ehrensburg. And I'm Catherine Ehrensburg. And I'm grumpy. <laughs> got a lot going on right now. Uh, we're, or how many weeks are we into football season at this point? This will five? be five. This will be five? This will be five. You have not completed five. Correct. You're going into this week five. This is the five. fifth week. So we're about halfway through yep. at this point. Yeah, that's about the time. It's usually, I would say, usually like six or seven where you're... Mm, I'm getting less and less tolerant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's just every week there's my list of things to be complete grows longer and longer. And And um, you're not getting anything scratched off. No. And what happens is, too, is that that list is getting longer and longer and then it butts up with the holidays, basically. By the time you Uh, have the ability to start helping with projects, I'm knee deep in or neck deep in like... The kids are wanting to decorate for Halloween and Thanksgiving and right. people are coming in town and then shopping for Christmas happens basically for like three months. I yeah. feel like I'm gathering gifts for people. And so it's like you're free, but I'm in like I went from keeping my nose just above the water just to get things for the family done while you're gone. And then Christmas comes and you're free to do projects, but I'm not. Right. You know, and I but I could. I guess I could, but it just it's all very stressful. So the stress does not stop from the, basically I'm just always in a stressful mode, but it is mid-season and that generally is when I start to be able to like visibly feel and you can probably see that I'm like, it's not going well. This is when I really start my mega lists of things. I've got note cards now. I've got index cards with like shopping lists and things to do. So you went to the note cards instead of the, you usually do the pad. Yeah. I don't know why I did the note card. I'm a note card guy. You are? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's because there's only so much that can fit on there? Because I feel like... There's, there's some satisfaction in... It's like, the first thing I do when I get to school every day, I take the note card from yesterday, and anything that didn't get scratched off, I write it at the top of the list. hmm And then I, whatever else the new things are for that day, and then I get to throw away the old list. I think it's a real privilege that you have that I don't have, which is maybe it's just a mental privilege thing. Where, to what, sit down and write something down? No. Um, that you can do things in such an order where just because it left off yesterday, you can get it done today. Because I have well, things... There, not every, there are some things that will stay on the list that have been on the list for probably two weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> Why are you laughing about that? Because <laughs> I have stuff. I have stuff that's been on my, my list for six months. <laughs> oh. I think after a certain amount of time, I just stopped writing it down. It's hilarious that two weeks is like some sort of ridiculous amount of time. It is to me. If it's on the list much longer than that, I just, eh, it's not getting done. It's just not getting done. <laughs> I just take it off the list. That's what I mean. Okay, so when I said like the mental privilege, that's what I mean is that that stuff does not leave my brain. It doesn't matter how long it is. Oh, I just, I just stop. I either, I either do something about like, all right, this is just what it is going to be. I have a headlight. On my truck. Yeah. How long do you think that's been on there? A long time. My turn signal Probably on my truck. At, at least. And it is constantly on my brain because every time I turn on my left turn signal, which is double the speed it's supposed to be, which means my headlight's out. I mean, not my headlight, my turn signal's out. Right. And I have looked up videos. I was going to DIY it. I looked up a video on how to change out my turn signal light. Now, this is a 20, what do I have, like a 2014 or 2015 F-150 truck. Yeah. To change the headlight or the turn signal light on this truck is 
absurd. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. The number of, like, the amount of disassembly that has to happen to change this one light bulb. Yeah. It's not a quick 10-minute project. It's like a as hour as project, watched, probably. At least. As soon as I watched the YouTube video on how to do it, I was like, this is not a Catherine project. This is a Thomas project. Yeah. Which, you get handed any project. That takes over six hours. <laughs> Pretty much. Six like. hours? No, anything that's not going to be a quick 10-minute project that you could just handle. And if there's a possibility. Those are the ones that get kicked over to me. Yeah, if there's like a detail involved in it yes it also gets kicked over to you because i don't have a very um i'm not patient you are very patient and so i know that about myself that i will i will not just stop the project and come back to it when i'm fresh Mm -hmm. i will push through and finish it so it's done right but it's not just spare parts left over i don't even like i'm thinking about the the pool gate that we're currently doing yeah it's gonna take a lot of rigging to make it look not like it was rigged basically yes. which is exactly what it's going to be it has to be that way right and so i know that if i did that project i would end up screwing up like drilling into the stucco wall that we have out there and it would end up being like in the wrong spot and mm-hmm. then i'd have to drill another hole and it would end up being a mess right and then i'd be mad at myself and you're gonna have to fix it anyway and so why even start just let you like there's just certain projects i know that are yours to do sure um but actually, now that I'm thinking of that, it reminds me of um, what you talked about last week, which I felt like was a pretty big revelation in your life. Um, the easy button commentary that you made yeah. last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so last Did we week, talk about it in the podcast last week. Mm, I don't think so. Okay. No. Well, maybe no, we need to back that, up and explain that. Or? Yeah, I will because um, that happened. I think her test was Monday, or she was yeah. testing on Monday. So yeah. our daughter. So to back up to tell you about the easy button thing. Um, our oldest child was having some major problems in one of her classes. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to help her out and it's like nine o'clock at night, which generally is the time that they go to bed. We live pretty far away from school. You guys leave really early in the morning. I know she's in high school now, but our kids generally need a very significant amount of sleep in order to function the next day. Um, and so they generally, she's the oldest and she generally gets in bed at nine um, but this night she's still up studying, trying to study. Right. Now there was some amount of, she was looking for homecoming dresses yep. instead there was of some studying. lollygagging during the day. And so you were frustrated with her about that. And I was too. Um, but then when it came down to it, it was a matter of her not being able to even complete the note cards to yeah, study, study off cards. of. Yeah. So like she hadn't even completed her study material in order to, to get to study. Right. right. And this is nine o'clock at night. So at some point during the conversation, you said, do you want me to just be your easy button? Do you want me to make these notes, like do your work for you? Do you want me to just do your work for you? And she said, no. But I feel like that was some sort of almost like breakthrough for you, even though we talked about it later and you said, no, I felt this way for a while. But you said, I feel like I'm a lot of people's easy button. Yeah. And it made me feel like, well, is that how you feel about the stuff you do around here. Cause exactly what I'm talking about, the truck, the truck headlight and the, yeah. you know, the blinker and the gate, I can't do those things on my own. And I don't want you to feel like I'm just handing them to you because, because there's stuff I want done. I don't even sure. know if you care. I mean, the blinker on my truck needs to be done. It honestly, be done. Right. I can get a ticket for that. Honestly. Yeah. Um, but 
as far as the pool gate is concerned, we have a pool gate. It's fine. I want a different one. Yeah. And so it's really my project, but now you have to do it. And so you're like handed all this stuff. And I'm sure that it's that way in a lot of other places with kids, school, work, you know, whatever it is, football, you know, all these different things. You're handed all this stuff and you're such a reliable person um, that people know that they can just hand you something and you'll get it done. Right. And so becoming, quote unquote, people's easy button, it, maybe maybe it was just a revelation for me. It was, I mean, it was something I've, I've thought of myself for... Uh, probably a year and a half you bought me a book by Jocko Willink it was his third book it's called leadership tactics and strategies and in the book it talks about you know if you're not the leader you're you're a subordinate leader you're like down the chain of command somewhere which is where I am at work at in in a lot of places in my life truthfully um and I think a lot of people are too um in order to lead up like in order to teach leaders how to lead you can't be their easy button. And the easy button is if you've ever seen the Staples commercial, someone's, you know, stuck, they can't get their copies done or printing done or whatever, and all of a sudden there's this button on their desk and they hit it and the Staples guy appears and does all the printing and copying, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about, you know, a lot of times when you're down the chain of command, which is where I am, the the leaders just like hand you stuff because they they need it to get done and there's probably five different people they could delegate it to, but they know you're going to do it and they know you're going to do a good job. And so you become their easy button, mm-hmm. which is what I've done. I mean, you do everything that's asked of you. Right. To the and, highest. and even, even more like if I just see a problem, you don't even need to ask me to do it. I see that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go create a solution mm-hmm. and implement the solution at a high level just because it needed to get done. And so people around you, that, like they see me doing that stuff. And so when they're like, hey, I need something done, let me go to this guy. Hit the easy button and here I come and I get it done. But you've always been that way. Do you feel like it's it's more frustrating at times than others or at some point does it get old? Because I, I have talked to you a thousand times about the fact that I'm the opposite. I very easily will feel like I'm getting taken advantage of or like probably to the point where I shouldn't, you know what I mean? Like literally the complete opposite of you where I should be doing more to help people and seek out that kind of, you know, relationship with people. But I tend to very quickly think that people are trying to take advantage of me and I shut it down immediately. I don't know that I think of it that way. I think a lot of times I see that it's a challenge and I like challenges. And Mm -hmm. so I like to take on challenges and get things done, Mm -hmm. especially when they're new. Like I like new challenges you know, at- do you like new challenges? So, okay, I guess I should think of it like the way I'm, I'm thinking of it for myself. A lot of times I will see people posing things to me as if they're trying to get not get one over on me. That's probably the bad way to look at it. But um, they have an agenda and they're trying to get me to do something. And they think that they're doing it in a sneaky way where they I won't realize that they're trying to. Yeah. You know how sometimes people will be like, I bet like to a kid, they'll be like, I bet you can't. I bet you can't run around over there and pick yeah. up all these sticks in 10 seconds. Right. I see. Like, I mean, this sure. as a, I'm using it as a, a simple way with a child. Right. There's plenty of children who be like, I can too do it in 10 seconds, and they'll go prove that they can do right. it. And I'm always like, yeah, I probably couldn't. Why don't you go ahead and find somebody else to do that for <laughs> right. you? Yeah. Like, I see through it, and I'm like, that's work that you want someone else to do because right. you don't want to do it. I'm not interested. <laughs> but that doesn't get me any friends. 
sure. <laughs> that doesn't build me any good relationships. Whereas you're the opposite. Not that you're, I'm not saying you're gullible, but you're like, I see the sticks out there. They need to get picked up. And right. I know I'm the best person to pick up those things. Whereas for me, when someone says that to me, I don't want the sat- the person to have the satisfaction of feeling like they duped me. I just have this like really. Yeah. You don't want to get Tom Sawyer. I do not. I do not. I have like a real, if there's been times before where I felt like I got one pulled over on me and I'm so mad at myself. Yeah. Like so mad for letting that happen. I don't know that I feel that way. Like I'm trying to think of, of examples of that. Like if someone really felt, if you, if I really felt like someone was in a pinch and they needed help, I love to help people. Yeah. I do. Like I like for, um, any skill that I have that they don't have to be able to to help them in some way. But if I'm being asked to do something because the other person's just lazy and don't want to do it and is looking for somebody else to do the job, that drives me nuts. But I don't think you're that way at all. I think I don't you, think I look at, at things that way. I know, <laughs> I, I know. I'm a cynical Because you're right. I mean, person. now maybe people are doing that. and I'm not saying they are. I'm not at all saying that they are because I don't have any specific even instance in my head to think of um, for you Um in doing something or, you know, any jobs that you've completed. But I certainly, when it comes between me and you, when you said that thing about the easy button, I thought, oh, geez, does he think that I, he's my easy button for things? No, I don't. And even, I don't think that our relationship works like that anyway. Like, cause we're, I don't see you as a subordinate leader or me as a subordinate leader to well, you, that's like true. we're on the same level. So yeah, but there's probably plenty of people who are at the same level as you who still will put things off on you. I don't necessarily think it has to do. I don't with know because I feel like if you're on the same level, there's I don't. I mean, this is going to sound bad, but there's almost like a level of competition that I can I can get it done just as well as you can get it done. So I don't need to ask you to help me get it done. I don't. I mean that. I, I feel like I'm the least competitive. That person sounds on really the bad, especially when you're talking about your spouse. Isn't that funny though? You you are comparing it to competitiveness because that's how you're like you are a competitive person. Yeah. Period. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not. But I don't. I don't say. I wouldn't say that that works in terms of our relationship because it's it's different between a husband and a wife. Sure. But at work, let's say you know me and, and one of the other teachers, or me or the one other coaches there's a job to get done you know i would i don't i would ask them for help if i thought they were more of an expert in that area but mm-hmm. if it was like we were the same level painting the field for example mm-hmm. there's no level of expertise that is needed to paint the field i can't paint the field uh, once you did it once you would you could do it mm-hmm. if you could walk in a straight line <laughs> you could, uh, <laughs> but but you know i will see that the field needs to be painted and i won't go ask somebody else to do it I'll walk out there and get the paint spray and just start painting it. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's the idea too of the reason why higher up leaders and stuff have easy button people is because they don't have the time to do it all. Sure. And so you have to delegate to people. The thing right. with the easy button people, I think, is that as the leader, you know that you're not having to do that extra step of following back up to make sure that it got done right. So it's almost like a, a right. slight laziness on their part. Right. For several reasons, but one of them being that they know they can hand it to Thomas and they don't have to go over there and double check what he did. Because I know that that's why I, as a mom, and I'm supposed to be teaching our kids how to do all kinds of things, I do everything myself if they don't, if they complain or anything. The easy button people don't complain, right? Yeah. They just do it. So 
if you're like a leader, you're, you're an easy button for yourself. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying I'm saying that the leaders generally that you're you know you're talking about the leaders who hand things off to easy button people mm-hmm. is because they don't want to do other portions of their job, which is to deal with complainers, right. to teach someone how to do something like you know model that behavior 15 different ways and then to check up to make sure that they've done it yeah. so essentially as a leader you're not really teaching anything you're taking someone who is at a lower level than you who probably should be in the leadership position also maybe that's and a whole other discussion well but it's true if, if you've got someone that's at that lower level who does everything exactly right and you, you don't have to follow up with them why are you why are they not at a higher leadership well, because position? a lot of times they're not because the per, to me the purpose of the leader is to teach the the people lower than them to in order for them to rise up right of course yeah. in order like i'm teaching the well i don't ever i'm not good at teaching the kids you are you're teaching the kids how to mow the lawn and how to use tools and how to do all these things they're going to complain and you're going to still teach them anyway and you're still going to check up on them in order for them to co- become really great useful humans helpful right. loving kind people in the end and it's like you're you're raising them up, right? So then they sure. will become leaders, and they will raise their children. Um, but if you have an easy button person that you never have to check up with, and they're always, what are you really, what are you really fostering in them right. exactly? Well, what what it affects is not necessarily that easy button person; it's the people around the easy button person. You're just hoping they'll be leading up. Well, for but again, example, they're a leader. With with our four children, we have one that does a very high quality of work and likes to work Mm -hmm. and if things aren't done right he's wants to make sure that they're right so what it does for the three around him is that a lot of times when i'm assigning jobs i'll usually give him like the toughest most detailed oriented job Mm -hmm. you know like if they're cutting the grass he's not going to push the lawnmower he's going to edge weed eat and blow Mm -hmm. because those take detail precision patience like there's a lot more to that than just pushing the lawnmower in a straight line Mm -hmm. so you know what it does to the people around the easy button person it kind of makes them not lazy that's probably not the right word but they're not building the skill because the easy person easy button person is getting all of the yeah the skill building so i try to be conscientious of that like when i'm i'm the job assigner around the house on, on the weekends and they all have routine jobs that they all do. Load the dishwasher, unload the dishwasher, pick up, bring down the laundry, whatever. But then when it comes to assigning, like, all right, we have extra jobs today. I usually, I mean, it, depending on, on what the situation is, if it's something that needs to get, like, we're in a rush, we got to get things done, I hit the easy button. Mm-hmm. I, and I know, I, I know I'm doing it when I'm doing it. But if it's not, I try to mix it around. Like, but doesn't that, that's what a good leader does. Right, they're conscious of yes. when they're hitting the easy button, right. and they're conscious of when they are um, basically allowing everyone else to be lazy by hitting that easy button. That's right. that's the result. Well, because it's not, it's, it's not, efficient. It's efficient and easy. It is, and quick. but a a in a not good leader who hits the easy button all the time is doing it to their own for their own ease. Sure. Right. Yes. They're not doing it for what's best for everyone, what's best correct. for the whole team. Because that's the correct. team does best when they're all challenged. Right. Um, but if you're always hitting the easy button, that's not help. Like, there's no person that that really benefits from that other than the leader in that it's laziness. They can check the box off. They can check the box right. off. I know that if I hit the easy button on the weekend, 
that every no one's going to complain about the job they got assigned. It's all going to get done to a satisfactory level, and it'll it'll all get done very quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I don't and I assign other people jobs that they're not so good at, but they need to work on, and then I assign our easy button child something mundane. But there's going to be compl- they'll complain. Well, why does he get to do that? Why do I have to do this job? Right. But then eventually, how does that easy button person end up feeling? Like, what's the end result? Or it, because again, you have been the easy button person for a very long time, yeah. and I know sometimes it wears on you. But I would think after a certain amount of time, like it's probably okay for a while, a pretty yeah. long while, and then at some t- point it wears on you. Well, for the most part, there's a sense of pride in being that person. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know I do the best work around here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I just know that, and like you, know, you look around and and you just you just know you're the best kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. I mean, at at the same time, over time, a, a certain amount of resentment starts to grow. Like why why am I the only person that looks around and looks for stuff and gets stuff done and there are so many other people that work here mm-hmm. that are just as intelligent, if not more intelligent, you know, just as experienced, if not more experienced. Why are they not doing these things? Mm-hmm. And so, sure, there, there's, there can be some resentment that over time will grow. And you, I mean, you don't notice it at first. You're just humming along, sure. You know, getting stuff done and not thinking twice about it, and taking a lot of pride in the work. We talked about working hard in a previous episode, maybe even the last episode. Yeah, I think we talk about it a lot. <laughs> so there's, yeah, I mean, so there's a great pride in, in just getting a lot of work done and looking back and like, I did that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And It's almost like you're competing with yourself a little bit. Yes, absolutely. And since I'm not a competitor, I'm just trying to like figure out where that all comes from because I don't feel that way. Um. I take pride in my own work. I'm my own boss, though, you right. know. But I would imagine that if, if, but of course, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. So if I was constantly the easy button, but wasn't being truly appreciated for it, right? I would jump off a cliff. Yeah, you know, which is probably why you don't like to be an easy button. Mm-hmm. Because you know that in being the easy button, there's not a lot of pats on the back. Yeah, I can't. It's just I can't. It's just hard work that and you the just funny like thing is, doing hard work. We've talked about this before. I'm not like I don't need an award for it or whatever, but I do need to feel appreciated right. in some way and like truly appreciated, not in the way that like again I think awards are kind of like these faux appreciation things. Yes. I want people to really appreciate the effort because they understand, and that comes. From, it's that like. Um, just compassion and empathy, I think, for knowing, like, oh, they really helped us out of a tough spot. She yeah. really, like, got in there and did that one kind of a thing and, you know, really pulled us out of a, a tough corner. Like, that that feels good, and that's right. worthwhile. And I know that not everything you do has to be in some sort of exchange, um, but it has to be kind of leveled out. You know, it can't always be pulling from that pool of water and never giving back to it. Um, yeah. which I feel like a lot of time is what leadership will do in the case of, of what we're talking about, like the easy button person. Right. Um, but I, I, in the case of the kids and things like that, I do think that, you know, just constant, um, reiteration of how good of a job they're doing and how much we, well, I mean, the kids are different, I guess, than, 
than an employee or something like in an employer situation. But I do think there's ways to show people that you appreciate them and still, still um, utilize their skills very often. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's for that reason alone, the lack of appreciation. I don't think that I could. I you could deal. be the easy button. Yeah, you're. I also I mean, think that's why you would really struggle to work in like an office setting because the day to day grind is so thankless. Mm-hmm. I think you. you um, I was you a mom, a stay at home mom. Really hot. Well, I know. For a very long time. Yeah. And it's a thankless job. It's a thankless job, but I stuck through. Yeah. I did it. So I, I don't. I don't know. I think there's, of course, something different than being in a thankless job when it's your own children. You feel like this is my product that I'm raising. But when you're in an office full of people, it might not yeah, feel Yeah, but you know way. what's a little bit different with children is sometimes they don't have to say thank you for you to to see that your work is appreciated. You know, for example, you go to we, – we went to these parent nights back when our kids first started school, and they would talk about how – great our kids were yeah you know like your kids are the nicest kids they're so polite they say please and thank you and you're like what yeah and it's like your kids don't have to tell you so those thank are the, you mom for raising me so well right but you just like you get it through what you like you see the product yeah and you're like yes those thank are you. that's a out. perfect example kind of <laughs> that's a perfect example of the words of affirmation that i'm willing to accept which is not that Oh, you did such a great job raising your kid. That's a direct words of right. affirmation. But I'm happy to hear that my children are well behaved and kind. Like when I any story I hear about our kid, like taking up for the kid who's being bullied, or right. like recently there was a kid in uh, a child in one of our kids' classes who was being bullied by other kids in the class. Um, but they all happened to be on the same sports team, and our kid went up and apologized to him on behalf of the kids who were bullying him. Who? Was not him. Right. He didn't do it. He doesn't even know who the kids are that are bullying right. him. Right. But he knew it was happening, right. like, afterward. Not He didn't know it was happening at the time. He knew it was happening afterward, and he went and apologized to that kid. That made me really proud. Yeah. Um, and so those are the words of affirmation. See, we, talk, we, we made it sound all complicated in that one episode where we were talking about how <laughs> I need to be complimented from, like, within earshot. Right. But this is, a, this is the same, same idea where it's like, I know that I was the one who raised them, right. period. I was the one that did that. Whether yeah. I knew that I was doing it at the time, there was something I was doing, I guess. And so there's no denying that when they act the way that they act, whether it was good or bad, it was me because mm-hmm. I was with them for the first, you know, six, set, whatever they, you know, whenever they went to six kindergarten. Years, five well, years. it was like 10 combined years once they all finished. Well, I'm saying for each individual child. Yes. The first know, six zero years. Zero to five, six years when you said But then I was school. with them after school every day. I went and got them from school every right. day. Like I was there until I was with them. All the, anytime that they were home, I was with them. Right. And, um, my gosh, I mean, everybody's with their kid when they're home, I guess. But you know what I mean? Like I wasn't, yeah, it was on me. Right. They didn't. They didn't have a nanny or go to daycare after right. school Right, the nanny, care. the babysitter didn't teach them politeness. My mom right. or dad did not teach them, although they were with them sometimes and they visited them or whatever. But I was the primary person right. that was there for them when they were little. And so, you know, I might sound like a boastful person, but I can take full responsibility. And every every parent who's in the same position as me, for good or bad, you're going to have to take responsibility. Right. If you were the one who stayed home and raised your kids... Um, that's on you, it's boo. On you. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I mean, I think that it's such. What's what kind of stinks about that is it's such a long play, you know. <laughs> you yeah, raise you a don't kid know. from zero to five years, yeah. 
and then you don't really actually see the fruits of your labor until they're 8 to 15, 20 years old. And the only appreciation that I will ever hear back from it is from teachers or other people or like future spouses or future in-laws or whatever that appreciate how kind that they are. Because I can tell you that the children do not remember it. They don't remember me being home with them. Here's the other thing, too. They don't know any other way. You know, they don't they don't know what it's like to not be kind or not. The only way that they know is the way that they are. Well, and there's lots of things that we're having to bring in. This is like, you know, older kid parenting at this point where kids want X, Y, Z or their their friends are doing X, Y, Z. And we have to bring in that. You have to understand, child, that, you know, they might be feeling that way because they may not have the same home life as you, or right. maybe they're getting these things because like there's just these like discussions you have to have about why I don't, I don't think our kids complain a lot about things not being fair or like Jim getting something I didn't get. Like they don't really do that, mm-hmm. but sometimes you can tell, for example, right now um, we are shopping for homecoming dresses and um, the ones I, I wouldn't say that the one she wanted was like she didn't pick anything specific out, but it, like the ground rules were laid pretty early. Right. We're not modesty out, in terms of modesty. Modesty, yes. But also we're not out here shopping for a wedding dress. This right. is not your one and only you're gonna be photographed and hanging it on your wall forever and ever. Yeah. This is freshman year homecoming. You're gonna be standing in a dark room for most of the evening. Yeah. Um, you're going to take a few pictures, yes, but if I buy it from Goodwill or if I buy it from a secondhand store, Poshmark, something like that, it doesn't matter what price is on it. Mm-hmm. If it fits your body and it's modest and it's good enough, we're going to save the money and not go spend. I mean, people are spending four, five, six hundred $600 on yeah. homecoming dresses. Yeah. And I just, it's, it's a prudence issue too. As far as money. Like, that stuff has to be taught. Um, And ultimately, I think we've got the dress at this point. But we bought two Goodwill dresses. Mm -hmm. And she's like, this one's fine. I'll wear this one. And then I looked back at the picture of her wearing, like, the one she really wanted. Because we purchased it as a backup backup. Yeah. Um, In full disclosure, it was a $100 dress, which kind of makes me choke. Like, I in my life have... I've never spent $100 on a dress for myself ever. Yeah. Um, I don't think. Except for my wedding dress was like $125, I think. Um, Anyway, so makes me choke. But then I thought about all the time that I had spent driving around to all the different thrift stores looking for dresses. And I was like, yeah, I was like, forget (laughs) this. This is it. We're just going to... Whatever. So she... I basically had to convince her to wear the, the... Full price dress. She was fine wearing one of the Goodwill good dresses. Um, so I don't know. She may change her mind by the time it's all said and done. But what I'm saying is there ha- the conversation at least has to be had where when she's shopping, she's being very conscientious about, you know, will, will like, is this good enough? Like, the dress just needs to be good enough, in right. my opinion. It doesn't need to be... The dress. The be-all, end-all, right. like, dress. Because I remember we had that conversation before we even started. She said that she wanted, like, some specific, like, style of dress and a certain color and whatever. Right. And I'm like, look, baby, this is... We're going to find something that's good enough. Right. I said, and I mentioned this on my social media, so you, if you've already heard this, forgive me, but um, I said, there's nothing in this house, as far as decorative items are concerned, that are exactly the thing that I would have picked out if I were to have drawn our house, 
you know, yeah. on a blueprint. and Infinite amount of money. With a, no budget whatsoever and put every piece of furniture. I love our house. I think it's beautiful. I love the way it's been decorated. I did it myself. But I like everything in it. It's not what I would have picked if the sky was the limit as far as budget. And that is how I expect for our children to go about shopping for homecoming dresses or shopping for, I don't know, whatever it is, right. cars or whatever. Like, at some point, it has to just be good enough. Right. Good enough quality, whatever. There's some things you want to splurge on, fine. But there's just always, to me, there always just has to be like this kind of conversation about push and pull on that kind of thing. Right. So here's getting back to kind of what we what led us to this. That's the only way our kids know. Our kids only know the way of finding, you know, look at the situation. This is what works for the situation. We don't need to spend lots of money. It needs to be something that's appropriately priced and appropriate to wear. Mm-hmm. And that's all they know. So it's hard. they're not going to be able to look back and say, thank you, Mom, for teaching me the skill of prudence. Right. But now, especially our oldest, she's in high school now, so she's starting to look around and she's starting to see, oh, Susie Q spent $800 on her dress. She said she's already told her friend. Sorry, I'll let you finish your sentence. So I, I think she's now having this realization like, wait, there are people that are raised differently than me. Yes. And with different priorities and... Which is fine. You know, different budgets and parents that have different ideas of what is appropriate to wear at a homecoming and so she's starting to have these realizations and it probably will be years of having these realizations that she's able to probably put it all back together and say oh there's people older than us listening going yeah when she has her own kids that's what it all that come my, together and that probably <laughs> honestly that's probably when it will be she I was very proud of the moment when she came home the other day and said that um, the girls were asking. She she has wanted since the start to have a style of dress called, I would call it fit and flare, which is basically like fitted at the top. And that kind of has like like a short version of a ballroom skirt on top, which is like it kind of flares out. Kind of okay. has like tool underneath it that makes it stand out away from your body. Anyway, she's liked that style. That's what she wanted, which we found one like that. And her friends are, why do you want that style? Like, that's not what's in. Everything that's in right now is like super skin tight, super, Mm -hmm. super short, and just like very body hugging. And she said, I don't like it. I don't want it. She said, besides, she used my line, I'm going to be in a dark room for 95% of this thing. Why do we need to have, whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That she is not, not even... Not even that she repeated my line. I don't even care about that. It was the fact that she was pushing back on her best friends about... She was standing her ground on wanting what she wanted. Right. And not caving to the peer pressure to go buy their dress on Shein, like, which is fine. Well, I mean, but even if you break down to what the kids are saying to her, that's not what's in right now. So you're going to go buy a dress... It's whatever. Susie. I I think they like it. You're going to buy it just because that's what's quote-unquote in... Yeah, but, but it may p- like, like if it doesn't fit your body style and it doesn't look good on you, like you're just gonna go buy it just because it's no. I that's think the that, style. I you think know? any teenage girl wants like they they push toward wanting a little more older, a little more. You know, they want to yeah. be older than they are. They're in high school now. They're the kid. They used to be. They just came from being the oldest. You in know, the, at the little the kid roost. school. Yeah, and yeah. now they're the youngest, and so they tend to want to you know, find their place and want to dress a little older and maybe a little more suggestive or whatever, whatever they can get away with, you know? And, um, and so I get it. I mean, I was there, you know, I was a cheerleader and 
wore very short skirts and did all the things. So I get it. But I just was, I was happy she was standing her ground on being like, no, I don't want that. You yeah. know, when I think we keep it, it pretty real with our kids too. You know, when, when it comes to stuff like that, we kind of just tell them like, look, this is what, this is what we did when we were in high school. This is what we thought. This and this is what we think now. And you know, take take all of this food for thought. Without, I mean, yes, there are still things that like we tell our kids: you are gonna do, or you are not gonna do this. Here's here's the problem that I'm running into. It happened twice in the last two days. Um, our children's friends think that I hate them in particular, yeah. and it's because usually I talk to the friends the same way I talk to our kids, which is. I don't beat around the bush and there's right. no fluff involved. And apparently it does not go over well with people. These kids immediately think I hate them. I'm like, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling you what's up. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I will say, I think that that style of parenting is how people used to parent. I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid, I don't remember many parents like trying to be cool with us. Like they just kind of told you don't do this or do this. And they were other kids, parents, you know, they weren't trying to be, they didn't care about being nice. They were just going to tell you, like, these are the rules. Yeah, and you just kind of dealt your, with it. If you were with them, they are your surrogate parent until you yes. go back to your parents. Right. Yeah. I and don't, that, like, I just, well, if, I told, I, if I was breaking a rule, even if it wasn't a rule that we had in our household, it was a rule for their household. They'd tell you. They'd tell you. And yeah. you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. like, I'd, I didn't know. And Yeah, I don't, and I don't know what to do with that either because I don't want my friends' kids to think that I hate my kids' Kids friends friends. to think that I hate them. I don't hate them, but I'm going to talk to you the same way as I talk to my kids. And I feel like that'd be really weird for me to suddenly be, um, you know, less blunt with them just because they can't deal, you know? Like, I don't want to be harsh with them, but there's just sometimes things need to be said yeah you know maybe I- and what you know what sucks for you is that you're just a, a mom and that's it like if, if i was to do that because i'm a coach like i talked i coach one of our son's basketball teams mm-hmm. and if you came to our practice you've been to our games i let them have it right like I if mean, that was coming out of my mouth they really yes. would think that i hated them right but when it's coming out of my mouth it's just like well that's coach he's he's keeping it straight because he's a coach you know I th- yeah and i think men are probably able to get away with that i'm supposed to be like super nurturing and that's just not really my jam right well you're, yeah <laughs> you're not you're supposed to be more motherly to them whatever that means i mean i think ultimately i probably am motherly and not friendly that's the thing yeah I agree. <laughs> I would describe what you're being <laughs> as motherly. motherly. Like, the reason why one of our kids claims that all the kids in his class, he, I mean, he might be exaggerating. He probably is exaggerating. Yes, I'm sure he is. But he said they all hate me, which, fine, because we all went on a field trip that I chaperoned, and the kids were all doing something that they shouldn't be doing, and I called to everyone. I didn't call any names. Mm-hmm. I told them not to do what they were doing, and that was enough to get me in the... In the hate category. In the hate category, yeah. Or she's mean or whatever. I, but I mean, was okay. Was a teacher not around to yell the same thing? No. And there was an alternative. I mean, the, what's the alternative? They tear something up at the right. place and then the school is, you know, no one wants those kids from that school to come back to their place because they tore something up. Like, th- these things become bigger issues if you right. let them. I'm trying to nip things in the bud early. I don't know why I'm justifying all this. These are kids and who cares? But, like... It's just so funny how you get labeled something. And it's like, I really thought it was completely harmless. I yeah. really was trying You're to... You're just giving some direction. Yeah. On. 
And of course, I'm standing there with two or three other moms who weren't going to say anything. They all saw it happen. They probably were saying it to you. Those kids don't need to be jumping over that. that. Genera- and then you yelled, "Hey, quit jumping!" You over know that. that that's generally my yes. lot in life. Like you talk about easy button. That is where I am the easy button yes, for people. For sure. I never thought I was an easy button for person until you just said that. But I a hundred percent am. When it comes to someone saying something, yes, I'm the easy button. And I will fun. tell you, I have. I have decided in a lot of cases to not be that person anymore yeah. because I got really tired of there being groups of people who we would sit around talking about things and we all agreed. And then I would stand up and say something and no one else would stand up with right. me. And I'm like, wait a second. And not only would they not stand up with me, they would act like they never had that idea to right. start with. Yeah. And it didn't take long before I thought, well, I'm not sticking my neck out for this anymore. Yeah. I'll just take my kid and do whatever we want to do somewhere else. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to make some sort of wave about this. Yeah. This is not, this is not worth this. Yeah, they want you to start change, but then they don't want to be a part of the change until things start changing. Exactly, but that makes me look like the the. It makes me look like the constant complainer yes. is what it looks like. Right. That Catherine is always the one who has something to say. Right. It's like, well, there was 15 other people with me who had the same thing to say and are probably still saying it behind closed doors. Right. They just won't say it in the open. Yeah. And the same thing happened with that case with these kids doing, um, and it wasn't terrible. It was just, you know, they shouldn't have been doing it. And so I called them out yeah. on it. And I had two or three parents walking with me, like you said, who were probably whispering like they shouldn't be doing that whatever and Mm -hmm. i'm the one who says something and so i'm the one that gets kicked in the teeth right it's like when you're that person you either have to be really willing to just get get hated all the time or decide that you're only going to be that person for you like that's going to be your position for you and your family which is pretty much where i am now in the case of the field trip i don't mind calling out the kids or whatever but when it comes to standing up for me and my family in front of a bunch of other adults Mm -hmm. in order for something to happen i'm probably not going to be the one anymore um you're gonna have to find somebody else to be your easy button because it's not going to be me but it's not you you would you would stand there and be that person forever because that's your personality yeah i was gonna say because the last field trip i went on with the kids i went with our oldest they had like a eighth grade end of the year thing and I felt like I was constantly yelling at kids to quit screwing around. <laughs> and they still love you. <laughs> but again, it was like, oh, that's coach. You know, coach is yelling at yeah, us. Yeah, but if it's a mom, yeah. so weird, man. But, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it just kind of is what it is. But, you know, to, to finish up the easy button talk, what the leader, if you're trying to lead up the chain, when they come to you to be the easy button, they're supposed to, there should be a conversation like, look, you're always coming to me with these problems. We need to get more people on board with this and maybe somebody else take the charge on this one. Mm-hmm. So you're saying as being, <clears throat> as a person who is the easy button in a lot of ways, and I'm sure everybody is someone's easy button, right? There ha- sure. It, most people are probably someone's easy button. Right. Um, that the, the way to uh, lead up, as you say, is to... There's other people around you who are not the easy. Buttons, yeah, because I don't think I don't think it's I don't think the right thing to do in in what you're saying to do, especially when it comes to like these complaints. Although your situation is a little bit different, right? It's just to say, well, I'm just not going to do anything, and then it's just not going to get done, right? Because that's really not what's best for the organization, whatever it may be. But in the same way, the best thing to do is not is to not just do it. And Correct. You so shouldn't. Neither just, one is the right, right. answer. You right. So you're not just supposed to be the easy button, but at the same time, you're not just supposed to say no and just walk away. Right. 
because the job still ultimately the job needs to get done. So going back to the painting field example, because that's an easy one to use. What I should be doing instead of seeing that the field needs to be painted and me going out and just painting it, I should gather two or three of the other coaches and said, hey, let's go paint the field because it needs to get done. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe I'm there helping, but now it's a group effort. And then the next time or maybe two or three times down the road, I won't have to see the problem to fix the problem. One of these other coaches will see the problem. And without me coming to tell them it needs to get fixed, they just decide they're going to fix it. Yeah. Right. So that's the way it's supposed to work. You know, in, in the example that you're talking about with parents that want change or discipline or whatever within their group of kids, you know, it's easy. The easy button is you just shouting or going straight to the administration or, or whatever it is that you're having to do to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. The correct solution, if you want to lead up, lead the people around you, is to gather them and get them even if you have to hold their hand to do it, you're not the person doing it. Like it's you're teaching basically somebody else. Yeah, to one do thing it about me, you. not interested in that. I know. I'm not interested in It's the same thing though, you go back to our kids' example. You know, when there's a job that needs to get done, a lot of times you're just I'll just do it. I'll yeah. load the dishwasher, unload the dishwasher, do the laundry, sweep the floor. Like you'll just do all those things. Yeah. Which is the easy button. As long as people get out of the house where it's quiet and I can do it methodically and there's not people in the way. Because it feels like when there's people in the house, there's still messes being made. Even as they're cleaning. Yeah. when they No, not even as they're cleaning, but like while I'm cleaning, they're making messes. Oh, sure. So if sure. everybody's out of the house, I can just do it all. And there's no... It's like the house pauses and I'm right. able to get it all done. Um, See, my philosophy is different. Mine is if there's people in the house, they can be cleaning the house. Yeah. It's like if everybody's cleaning, they can't really... Here's I the say thing. they can't be making a mess. They, they still make messes es- even as they clean. Especially in early days, they do nothing but complain while they're cleaning. And the sound of people complaining is enough to make me... Not want the abs- Yeah, I'm like, get out. Everybody yep. just get out. I do not want... Yeah. Like, that's why I have earbuds in a lot. Is because the sound of people yelling at each other, or you're doing this, you're not doing that, I cannot handle it yeah i've heard enough yelling in my lifetime for four people so i'm not interested in listening to any more complaining and bickering and back and forth not interested i do not want to hear it so i'll just just get out and i'll do it myself and not in an angry way i just like leave me in my peace and quiet quiet let the house pause and i will take care of it right because it's not even a matter of i'm doing it the way i want to do it i just want peace yeah. Peace in the Middle I East. That. I want peace in the Middle East. The um uh, one thing that <laughs> Catherine just spilled a bunch of water. If Cold you're ice water <laughs> all over. I'm glad it didn't go the opposite <laughs> direction toward the mixer. That um, was really bad. But what you're and I found this to be fairly effective. It's not always effective. When it's time to do the jobs, whatever they are, I've gotten to the point where I will say before I even get the jobs, hey, I don't want any complaining. <laughs> That always works. Tell it them. doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> always. I mean, I mean, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. But there's there are times when it hits them just right. Yeah. It's like we just need to get this done. It's going to be about an hour of work. Let's just all yeah grind in this. I'm thing sure you together. put the time limit on it. Probably helps things. Well, the kids have no concept of like when you tell them <laughs> go load the dishwasher, they think it's going to take forty five minutes to load the dishwasher. Yeah. It takes maybe ten ten or less. Yeah. Like, every job in their mind, it's like, well, there goes my whole day. Yeah. 
I got to I got to load the washing machine. <laughs> There's my whole day. It's gone. You're not, uh, you know, rubbing it against a washing right. board. You're putting it in there, putting soap in, turn the water well, on. And even something like cutting the grass, which does take time. Each person has their own job and each job only takes about 30 minutes. Yeah, it's true. So, like, when you add it all up, it's, it's very true. about two I hours know. worth of work, but they just, you know, that, but that's, you know, that's part of the learning process that you're, if you're not, if you choose not to be the easy button, it, it's not going to be easy on you either. Yeah. No, I know. It's, it's, a, it's a harder job for sure, but it's the lack of patience that I have in the end. Well, anyway. <laughs> patience comes with old age, right? Uh, no. No. <laughs> No, man. No, sir. I cannot imagine how crotchety I'm going to be. Imagine more crotchety. Can we imagine it? It's not good. So that's our conversation today on the easy button. Sometimes I wonder what you're going to name the episodes, but this week I think I got it. I think I know what it's going to be. You guys make sure to um, give us five stars, subscribe, give us a little review to all your friends, and until next time, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.